everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everyone doing? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line. A big weekend down here in South Florida. The uh, annual Deep Stack Charity Classic, the Howard Frank Memorial Tournament that uh, was held nine straight years in Daytona Beach. I played in a few years ago. Uh, usually involves some big-name people and uh, often the same ones, and such was the case this year. Phil Helmuth there entertaining people and seeing the event, playing in it as well. Uh, also, uh, Jan Fisher and... Linda Johnson were there, and I, I did interviews with both, which we'll, you'll, we'll hear tonight. I also talked with uh, Rabbi David Kane, who we've had on the show a couple of times, to talk about the uh, the change in the event and, uh, you know, what a, what a great tournament this one is. I mean, if you could, as a player, just think what you would want in a tournament, it was to have lots of prizes and lots of chances to win, right? Exactly, and that's what this tournament has become over the over the years that 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 it's been going on. I mean, it now sells out many months in advance of of the start. Well, date. it didn't sell out in advance, but it did sell out. And uh, first year down here at the Isle Casino in uh, Pompano Beach, um, I talked to them, and and, and I didn't that, really want to get into it too much, but uh, they did that, say that they did not have a bad relationship with Daytona Beach. They just decided to branch out the tournament to larger areas and maybe contribute to a few different charities. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, they may not have sold out this year because of uh the change in venue and um, you know, moving over from from Daytona Beach where they were drawing from Jacksonville, from Tampa coming ac- across uh there um uh, I think it's a great idea coming down here. I mean, you know, listen. Yeah, I do too. When, when you get close to the Hard Rock and South Florida poker, you you know, you You've now covered the whole state. And it was a big success. I want to get into the, the tournament a little bit. And, of course, the Isle does a great job with tournaments as well. Um, you know, the one thing that you know, Joe, as a uh, poker room director, is that when you have a big tournament like that, it takes your tables and you have to cut out the cash games. So uh, I talked to a few of the people there, and they said, you know, there were some com- some complaining of the regular players that come in on a Sunday and play cash games. They only had five tables for cash games at the beginning of the tournament. Because there ended up being 390 players in this event, uh, they didn't all start uh, the, this exact time. It worked a few uh, alternates into the tournament and that sort of thing. But I think they have about uh, 40 some tables, and uh, you know they only had a few for cash games in the beginning. But eventually, as players get knocked out, they open tables and exactly. uh, everything's okay. And and I would imagine that um, you know. West Palm Beach Kennel Club had the same problem with the WSOP when they were running the circuit event. You know, it's a double-edged sword, you know, um, being, you know, a poker manager, director, whatever you want to call it for so many years. I know the numbers that that that, uh, that uh, West Palm Beach Kennel Club did on the months that they had the WSOP, especially when they first started, that it was only once a year in February. I mean, their numbers for the month and in, 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 uh, earnings almost doubled. Every every mm-hmm. year, you know, since the WSOP circuit event was there, so I don't know how, what the numbers are going to be. We're going to have to wait and see for for the aisle, but it's just great publicity. You know, we know that the aisle is one of the top probably three poker rooms in the state of Florida. 
So, you know, this can't hurt them. I know the local players get upset about that, but listen, um, and I forget the name of the new gentleman who's in charge there. Uh, Ken Lambert. Ken Lambert, who's been around in this business for many years. Long time. And, you know, the, the, what a tribute to him to be able to bring this down to him, to, you know, bring this down now that this is his first year here at the aisle. Um, it, it, I think it just great. Great publicity for them to run this this charity event, which has had you know as we both know and you've played in it tremendous success. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one of the real niches of the tournament is that everybody that makes the final table wins at least a thirty eight hundred dollar package. Some is like forty eight hundred as as you go higher, but uh, that pays for more of your travel. But it's a uh, to a tournament at the Venetian in Las Vegas, and they send the whole final table. On trips, so uh, when you get down near the final table bubble, uh, things get pretty serious, and it was really uh, dramatic this year. Yeah, and some of the uh, uh, what do you want? I don't know. I don't want to say door prizes. What do you call them? Uh, oh, huge yeah. uh, <laughs> raffle prizes, auction items, uh, all kinds of giveaways. Gift and, baskets and like that they said, have at every table, and it's not like a fifty dollars gift certificate. No, no. no, you're talking some significant uh, prizes well, for like, people who get the first royal flush. Uh, the first royal flush is an automobile with, uh, I think, two hundred, something like twenty thousand cash in a trunk or something like that. Yeah, yeah not, something crazy not, like that. Not, not but, too bad. <laughs> yeah, but to have that. Uh, when I was talking to Rabbi Kane, he said, you know, here we are. It's eight thirty at night, and I still have five cars to give away. They also gave away diamond bracelets, and uh, they gave away several Apple Watches, where, uh, or at least one Apple Watch, where I know that they actually drew ten names, and all the people got to play one hand, and whoever won the hand got the watch. It's, that's it's like I said, it's such a cool it's event. It's a great It's tournament. a great cool event, and I and I bet you that for you know next you know and remember this tournament was also usually held in March or April, if I'm not mistaken, right, right at Daytona. So they changed the, 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 the venue and the month that they played in. I bet you for next year, if they have it at the same time, right around the beginning of November, watch, this thing is going to sell out many months in advance, just like it used to do for years up at Daytona. Well, the co-hosts of the tournament, besides Phil Helmuth, were uh, Jan and Linda, also Montel Williams, the talk show host who is a poker player as well, and Brandon Cantu. Uh, they had uh, several big-name players uh, as bounties at, the, at a couple of the events, uh, including Robert Williamson III, uh, also uh, Rob Mizrahi played, and uh, several other players like that. But it wasn't just the main event, which was yesterday, uh, Sunday, the uh, November 4th. There was also uh, several events uh, heading into it starting on Thursday. And uh, they had a uh, – Norman Chad had a $190 buy-in horse tournament, there was a Legends of Poker tournament that uh, both Linda and Jan played in. And there was a $2,200 buy-in high roller tournament called Beat the Brat. Uh, we have a chance to play head-to-head with Phil Helmuth. So Helmuth did great. Uh, finished at the final two tables. Ended up getting knocked out in 16th place. Uh, 390 players, as I mentioned. And uh, the winner was uh, a fellow from Naples, uh, Alvaro Perez, was the winner. And uh, so everybody had a great time. It was a lot of fun, and there were a lot of people that drove down from the uh, east coast of Florida, uh, northern, northeast, and central eastern part of the Florida peninsula. And so they did retain a lot of their regular players. There's people that played in the event every single year. It's a, uh, like a 290 buy-in, I believe. 
And uh, so it's a little on the high end as far as charity events go, except for the really big ones. But uh, this was a uh, – it raises a lot of money for several charities, the Boys Club, the Boys and Girls Club, as I mentioned, uh, the I Have a Dream Foundation. Um, the Broward Sheriff's Office has a fund that uh, they contributed to. And also – so it basically took care of three counties down here in South Florida. And they're calling it now the Deep Stacks Charity Tour, so it kind of infers that maybe they could – move it around the state in the future. They do want to come back. They told me to the aisle next year, so we'll see what happens. But uh, a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, everybody having a great time at this thing. Well, I'm, I'm glad. You must have had a ball, a ball over yeah, there I watching did. and interviewing all these people. I did. It was fun. And uh, we'll hear from uh, Jan and uh, Linda just a little bit. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, listen to uh, David Kane, Rabbi David Kane. He's been on the show before. Great personality and a lot of talk. And, of course, with the... Uh, the situation, the uh, horrible massacre up in Pittsburgh uh, over the last couple of weeks, there was a lot of interesting conversation uh, about that as well. But we talked to uh, Rabbi David Kane for uh, several minutes uh, discussing the event and the, uh, the fun things surrounding it. And then we got a little serious and talked about some uh, issues in society. So here's, here's Rabbi Kane. I'm with Rabbi David Kane and uh, a hugely successful 10th edition, I guess, of this, uh, is it 10 or 11? 10, 10 Deep Stack okay. Charity Classic, 10th anniversary. Okay, we're down here at uh, the casino at Pompano Park, the Isle Casino, and uh, a new venue for you, so a lot of new challenges. Let me tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, working this one as opposed to the other ones when you were in Daytona. Sure, uh, well, first of all, you have to know that for years and years, and until this day, the Daytona folks are always fabulous to us. They're kind-hearted and generous. They support many charities throughout the community. And uh, you have to know, first of all, let me just say, vote no on Prop 3, okay? okay, okay. Vote, uh, no, don't let me get on my soapbox here. Okay, but just I'm already look, voting no, so right, I know that. Right, sure. Because, you know, there are so many people in the gaming business yeah. that are going to be hurt by that yeah. amendment. And I think it's kind of the center. It's, it's like your Uncle Walt telling you to ask permission if you want to do something in your town. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, at, at any rate, so, uh, you know, it came time to uh, try some new venues, and uh, my co-chair uh, knew some folks in the area and said, uh, well, yeah, perhaps they want to do it. The director uh, of poker operations here, uh, Ken Lampert, a fabulous, yeah, fabulous guy in poker all around the country and uh, happened to have landed here in I South Florida one mission now, and uh, after one or two conversations power. Ken said this is the Hello, event Jeff. that this casino needs you know because they hadn't had a charity no event mission. in a while and so here they are well I do notice on the trophies it says deep stacks charity tour so that gives the impression that it's good you're going to be going to a lot of different places maybe in the future yeah well you know Anything the future's a little bit unknown uh, I can do anything. Now, this is a lovely experience for us, so I'm not sure if we'll leave this place next year, but I'm sure that um, I'm sure that wherever we go, you know, we adopt local charities to help them. For instance, this year, you know, we have uh, three counties worth of charities. We have a food bank in uh, Palm Beach County, Boys and Girls Club here in uh, Broward County, as well as uh, a fund in the, uh, sheriff's, uh, the sheriff's office that uh, helps people in the community who have a little okay. trouble 
uh, getting some essentials, blankets, you know, toiletries, whatever. And also, uh, there's a great foundation in Miami called the I Have a Dream Foundation. It's a national foundation, but in Miami, they have centers in different cities. And you know them, but you just didn't know what they were called. They're the ones that pick a class of kids in a poor neighborhood when they're like in second grade, and then they give them tutors and counseling all the way through high school. If they finish high school, they help them through college. So it's important to kind of spread your work a little bit. You've been in the same community for a long time. Uh, Now you go to an even larger area with a bigger population, so uh, everything continues to move onward and upward. Right. And, and you know, the the, uh, tournament benefits our synagogue and our synagogue's uh, scholarship fund uh, where the high schoolers get sent to Israel for study for a semester. And uh, because we're a religious organization, whenever we do a fundraiser, we have to share some of the funds we raise with people who are uh, not as privileged as we have been to enjoy the blessings that we enjoy. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least get your thoughts on what's gone through the the Jewish community over the last uh, two, three weeks. Uh, the Pittsburgh uh, rabbi that, that spoke so eloquently on, on TV and calmed people down, uh, you know, didn't preach hatred. Because the people that, that do uh, act on their hate, these are the people that we need to stop from doing that. So you look at what happened in Pittsburgh over the last uh, couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on, on settling the community down? Because that's a big part of, of your duties, I would say. Uh, you know, of course, in Jewish communities, when and ever any innocent is attacked, Jewish or not, we feel a deep unsettling. Uh, and the reason, I, the reason is because, uh, you know, most Jewish communities are hopeful communities. You know, we don't see any reason not to hope in the future. Right? Because if you look the other way, if you, feel, if you always feel like you're doomed, why get out of bed, you know? Why, why do anything? But I honestly, I have a little bit of a different take on the, the Pittsburgh matter. And also this uh, thing in South Florida with the guy building the bombs and sending them around. Uh, you know, I've been uh, a rabbi for decades now. And I have served in prisons. I've served in hospitals. I've served in congregations. I've seen a lot. And I have to tell you that what is happening to America right now in terms of violence is a direct result, I think, of the cutting back of mental health care. Right? Do you know how, do you know that a tremendous number of mental hospitals have simply been closed because there is no more money for them? Look at anyone's insurance policy. You see, you know what they get? They get like six sessions. Yeah, you have good health insurance. You cover for six sessions of counseling. Luckily, none of your problems are serious, so they, they can all be cured by someone talking to you six times. Right? If that was true, we'd have no teenagers in trouble. You know, uh, I know I'm sure that people are listening to me right now who've uh, had teenagers. I talk to them a hundred times, and you just hope and pray that someone straightens up, straightens out, does something like that. But you know, there's so many people that ought not to be without a support system in terms of mental health care. Right, and we as a society are just dropping the ball over and over. Right. You know, I I was serving in the prisons when they stripped back the mental health care in prisons. You know, what? It, hey, hey, they're not in here to get treatment. They're here to be punished. <laughs> hey, and so what happens? Eventually, they serve their sentence and they're released into society. How? With no support, no anything. Uh, relatives that are probably a little afraid of them. Yeah. 
right? And now here we have, over and over again, in communities all across the United States, people with true mental illness who are acting out in a variety of ways that hurt other people. And life is so stressful and and hateful right now. Do you continue to uh, find hope in your heart that that we could turn this thing around? You know, there is no choice but, you know, what what are my choices here at my synagogue? Put a few armed guards at the entrance, right? Or what do I do? Or do I spend my time uh, helping the community, trying to raise money for the food bank? You know, we are uh, located in central Florida. And I have to tell you, this volunteer team is committed to helping other people. We get home on Monday. We have Tuesday off. Wednesday, we start the Thanksgiving turkey drive for the whole community. Beautiful. Regardless of religion, doesn't matter, right? Our goal is to raise 400, not raise 400 turkeys, be able to raise enough money to buy 400 turkeys. Because uh, if we had to raise 400 uh, turkeys, we bring them to your house and store them there till the day before Thanksgiving and then someone would take care of them. Right. Let me get back to this tournament a little bit. Uh, 390 turned out today. Uh, Phil Helmuth uh, keep, keeping everybody enta- entertained. Norma, Chad, Jan, and uh, Linda. Great people that have been associated with this tournament for a long time. Sure. Uh, are you happy with the turnout? Uh, what comes next? You know, I think the turnout here was just fine. You know, I probably would have preferred about 50 more players, mm-hmm. but not many more than that because we were bracing. Right. Uh, you know, we were bracing, wondering place how it was going to be. You know, in, in South Florida, people often decide at the last minute. So it was kind of, you know, it was a little miracle right. that we had, you know, 340 pre-souls. You know, and we had about 50 people show up today. And so it was a real blessing. Last question. Uh, one of the cool things of the tournament is sending the final table to Vegas. That's yeah, been a staple of the event for a long time. Uh, but you always seem to come up with cool things to give away. You know, obviously, technology advances. You give away an Apple Watch today. Oh, that was fun. Uh, we picked 10 people, and they each played one hand of poker, and the winner of the hand won the Apple Watch. That's unbelievable. Consolation was $50 bill. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, how do you just sit around and come up with these ideas of what you can do to make things better? You know, we are uh, we have a kind of a handshake with Best Buy that they let us know when it comes to tournament time. What are the hottest things? What are the things that are, people are mostly getting? Right? And so that's what we try and have as part of our tournament day. We have uh, Kush Jewelers, who's uh, located here in South Florida. They stepped up right and left. Our champion is going to win not only a championship watch, but a beautiful championship uh, jewel-encrusted ring, and uh, plus the trip to Vegas and and all of that. And uh, Push Jewelers also gave us gift cards to give out, and they gave a $1,000 gift certificate for the raffle. So they were just fabulous. And we still have parked here five cars five cars ready to give away it's a fantastic event and uh, everybody should play it at least once Uh, but uh, you're down to under 50 players this has got to be your longest day of the year certainly is often we go till 245 and do a chip count but 
I'm sure it flies by at, at certain points, too. I cannot believe that we're recording this at 8.30 at night. It's crazy. It seems like we just started at 1. Right, exactly. Well, thank you for coming to South Florida as a South Florida Floridian. I hope you keep doing that every year. Mr. Lemon, you're the man. <laughs> that is Rabbi David Kane. And uh, him and Scott Frank have run this tournament from the very beginning. This was the 10th annual event. First nine years they played at Daytona Beach. And, uh, again, you know, he uh, talked about how, you know, they have a good relationship and they just want to try to branch out a little bit. Who knows if they might have two tournaments a year. They'll see what happens. It's obviously a great deal of work. But uh, several other tournaments, and I thought one of the cool things was that, you know, they had the tournaments uh, Linda and Jan uh, played in uh, and finished in the final table in one early event, and then uh, Linda finished uh, in the final table, I think, in two others, so uh, she had fun, and and uh, obviously it's great to play with her as well. There's a reason she's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, no <laughs> question. Not for everything she's, just for everything she's done for the game. Exactly, but, but also as a player. Right, exactly. Uh, so we will uh, take a break here on the show. Uh, the one thing I did want to mention is, you know, people find fault with Helmuth, and you know, he can be irritating at times and, uh, you know, not the greatest sport in in this game. But uh, um, he does a lot for charity. And he also, uh, when he's interested in doing something, puts everything into it. I mean, he came in, they started the tournament at 1 o'clock. They had a meet and greet in the morning with all those people. So he talked to people. He signed books. Then he played the tournament, got knocked out around midnight, I think it was or maybe maybe 10.30, something like that, uh, in 16th place. The tournament on, went on for another four hours, and he stayed for till the very end, which is yeah. a lot. Of, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yep, yep. Well, listen, like you said, and Phil's been doing a lot more of that over the last few years. Yeah. You know, in, instead of having the, the poker brat, you know, uh, moniker that he's had for, for a while now, you know, we've known that. We've had our, you know, our good friend Mark Perlman tell us that he's dealt to him at the in the WSOP, how he greets everybody there. So um, maybe age is mellowing him out just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, being that I've never met him in person, how tall is he, Dave? He's pretty tall. Uh, I would say six four. Oh, okay. I thought he was taller than that for a reason. Six four, maybe six five. Okay. Uh, so Alvaro Perez, the winner, takes home. Uh, he had an eighty-two hundred dollar package for the Venetian prize packages. And uh, also won a championship watch and ring set worth $2,700. And just to, uh, for the drive home, $110 in cash. Put each, a little gas in the car. Exactly. Huh? Each of the players uh, at the final table won right around $100 in cash in addition to their prize packages. So uh, then, of course, there was there's a whole list of things that uh, ended up uh, being given away and, and great prizes. But another huge success this year. And... Uh, uh, it was great. We'll look forward to uh, being back there next year. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the show. When we return, you're listening to Poker Action Line here from South Florida. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Welcome back to Science Today. And we already have our next caller. 
Welcome. Who's this? Hi, I'm Philip. Hello, Philip. You sound really young. <laughs> Not really. I'm nine. Oh wow, you're still in elementary school, right? Does that matter? Oh no, not at all. What's your question? Well, I know the molecular formula for water is H2O. I also know that hydrocarbon is CH3CH2 50CH3. Glucose is C6H12O6. The general formula for an alkene is CnH2n plus two. But what I can't seem to find is any scientific formula for Bob. Bob? My goldfish. Are you ready for kids who eat healthy? Good nutrition can lead to great things. To find out how a healthy lifestyle can help your child succeed, go to mypyramid.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and USDA. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here from South Florida as we bring you another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, last week when we were on the show, they were finishing up the World Series of Poker Europe. Uh, had, uh, I don't know, two, three dozen players left at the time. But uh, the leader going into the final day, or uh, going into day three, actually, was uh, uh, Ryan Reese. And uh, he did make the final table. But the eventual winner was Jack Sinclair, uh, who has also, I believe, been at the November 9, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a couple of years ago, he was—he's from Great Britain, and he picks off the win at uh, at World Series of Poker Europe. Uh, Reese was trying to become the uh, uh, second player, I guess, besides Hel- Phil Hellmuth, that has won the main event in Las Vegas and the main event in Europe. So uh, he was hoping for that, but he ends up finishing in fourth place. Uh, Jackson Clear, the winner, 1.1 million euros. Uh, Laszlo Butas finished second. Krasimir Yankov was third. And Reese was fourth um, as they played it down in uh, Rosvedov to finish up the World Series of Poker Europe. Did John Sin go this year over there? Do you know by don't believe he Don't believe he did. Um, there was not a, a lot of well-known American players there, as I mentioned yeah, last week. Yeah, you mentioned week. last week. That uh, a few more went toward the end, including uh, Kristen Bicknell and Alex Foxen. Um Sean Deeb did win Player of the Year uh, by winning the, the event, uh, winning a, a you know a big month in uh, Vegas and then uh, a couple other uh, final tables and late. Yeah, well, there. he took the uh, twenty-five thousand uh, dollar pot limit Omaha High Roller in right. Vegas this summer, and uh, so he had a big uh, advantage. And none of the players that were right behind him, including Ben Yu and. Uh, Joe Cotta, John Hennigan, so they, none of them went to you. So they kind of threw in the towel, huh? Anthony Zeno did go and made up some points, ended up finishing eighth in the player of the year standing. So um, great uh, year for Sean Deeb. Uh, Zeno was there, Ryan Reese, uh, a few big names, Chris Ferguson, a few others. But uh, not a huge American turnout there this year. Uh, the other tournament I wanted to mention was uh, the WPT event in Montreal. 
they had uh, 792 players in that one at the Playground Poker Club in Montreal. And Canadian poker pro Patrick Serta was the winner of this one. Emma uh, Zajmovic, who uh, all won the event, I think, last year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, finished second in this one. Sorel Mizzi was third. Uh, Upeshka De Silva was fifth. He's got the great name, that, uh, my favorite <laughs> poker name. And uh, Jack Gong was sixth. Uh, fourth was uh, Kovsegan Ephemparum. I haven't heard of him, but anyway. Uh, well known in his household. So. <laughs> they finished up there. I just wanted to mention a couple of hands from this event to uh, get your thoughts on it. Um, late in day two, or, or before the final day, they were playing down to the final table. And uh, Serta. Um, I just want to mention this because uh, he had a hand that uh, that he ended up winning. It was, I think, four hands from the end. Uh, he raised to 100000 in middle position, uh, playing against Michael Sullivan, who three-bet him to 260. Uh Serta called. He checked the uh, ace-three-five flop, two hearts, three and a five of hearts. O'Sullivan bet 180. Serta called. Both players... Uh, then check the two of clubs on the turn. The river was a third heart, a 10. And Serta took his time, but finally uh, bet 425K. Uh, O'Sullivan ended up folding after uh, playing two time extension t- chips and asked him, show me. And uh, Serta said, can't show. We're going to play all day tomorrow. So I wonder what you thought of that. It's late in the night. They're playing down to uh, the final table. And, you know, late in the night, he didn't want to give that information out. I wouldn't give it out either. I I never like, the only way I'm going to do anything for these people is if I, you know, if I'm looking to set them up. And the next day is, is, is as you know, Dave, well, at least I know, playing from one day to the next, it's it's a whole different day. It, it really is a whole different day. And, you know, the, the mojo that you've got for this one day, you may not have. You may want to do a different setup for tomorrow. I personally do not like giving information to my opponents. I want them to think whatever they want, whether whether they think you know after they start beating themselves up because they think that I you know that I bluffed them out, or maybe I bluffed them out and they think I had a you know I did have a winning hand you know mm-hmm. that I had a strong hand. To me, when you have your when you got your obviously when you get your opponents guessing, um, you know for the most part I. I believe only good things are going to happen to you. So I, that's that's an information I wouldn't want to give out unless okay. I am looking to frustrate this particular person, and I know I could take advantage of that. Okay. The other hand I wanted to mention was uh, the final hand of the night before going to the final table the next day. And Emma Zajmovic had the chip lead, and uh, she's playing a hand. And her, Serta was in the small blind. He completed then uh, Emma uh, raised to 150,000 and sort of called. The flop was Ace Nine Six Rainbow. Ace Nine Six Rainbow. Okay. Serta check called a $75,000 bet from Zajmovic. Uh, both players checked on the Eight of Diamonds turn. So you uh, have Ace Nine Eight Six. And the river was a, was a King of Diamonds. So there's there was no flush draw out there. But as it turns out, uh, Zajmovic had Jack-10 of diamonds, so she had an up-and-down straight draw after the turn. And she went in uh, pretty big with an $800,000 bet. 
on uh, the river raise uh on, on the, the river turn. on the river and he ended up making the call with just king 3 so he got a read on her he figured he, she missed she she was on an open right. ended on on either a high 10 jack or maybe um you know well, 10 7 my question really is she had the chip lead she made the big bet and gave him the chip lead so now he has almost 5 million chips she's down to 2.8 million uh, a little crazy for her to uh, to try to to get him off. And that you hand? can also turn around and say, was it a little crazy of him calling with a king? Calling king with high? a king only, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you know, I don't I don't know if I'm going to falter once again. You know, without being there and playing against this opponent for however long a time they had been playing uh, against each other, that's a move. You know that totally. Based I think on a lot read. of people would probably have done what she done. You know what she did there. Assuming that he had no business calling, if he didn't have a, a, a pair. Yeah. And in this case, he, he, he was what king high, right? Right. You, you said the you said the river king, was the, a queen. No, the river was a king, so he paired the king. Oh the no no! So then he did have a pair of kings. Yeah. Oh no 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 no! I'm I'm calling with a pair of kings there myself. Are you? I thought I thought you said he had king high. No. Pair of kings, pair yeah, of kings. pair of kings. I'm calling her. Right. I'm calling her. She's gonna have to show me an ace or a king. Obviously, any other king, more than likely, has him out kicked. But uh, no, pair of kings on the river. She bets eight hundred thousand. You're you are. <laughs> you're gonna have to show me. You're gonna have to show me a better hand. Anyway, he took a big chip lead then into the final day and ended up hanging on for the win. So congratulations to Patrick. Canadian pro and uh, made a couple of nice plays there toward the end that uh, really kind of sealed it up for him as well. Uh, let's get back to a couple of our interviews. Let's start with uh, Linda Johnson, uh, the first lady of poker. I got a chance to sit down with her. She's always great. And, uh, of course, uh, there's obviously some usual topics, women in poker and and uh, the changes in the game. But uh, we had a pretty wide-ranging conversation. And here's what uh, Linda had to say last night at the aisle. We're at the Isle Casino at Pompano Beach, Deep Stack Charity Classic, and uh, when you say Deep Stack Charity, you know Linda Johnson's going to be there too, so uh, I got a chance to talk to the First Lady of Poker once again. It's been a few years since I've had you on the show, really. Uh, I guess I'd like to start by kind of looking at the World Series the last couple of years and just saying three years ago was Will Kasuh, two years ago was John Hesp, so that's like night and day for the world of poker. And then this year, we had such a great final table that the play moved along, everybody allowed along great. I think we're moving forward. Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, I'm, a, I'm old school, and I believe that uh, poker should be fun, and, and uh, you know, I think people should play a little bit faster so that it's not so boring for some people, and um, I definitely am not in favor of uh, abusive behavior at the poker table. Yeah, I think we're making progress. Uh, how about that table this year? What were your thoughts on, on uh, you know, Johnson? I mean, we're always going to get new people that are just coming on the scene that, uh, you know, all of a sudden make a name for themselves, and then we know them forever. But it just seemed like Tony Miles, I was so impressed with him, and a lot of other players at the table. It just seemed like it was more fun this year. Yeah, I think it's good to have uh, people who are not familiar to the public make the final table. I was riveted watching every hand. Um, it went on and on and on, as you know. But um, I, I think it shows people that you don't have to be a pro to win at these things. Uh, and, and I think that the entries will continue to grow as long as we have 
um, players that are not well-known names winning these things. So it's very good for poker. With the uh, with the advent of Poker Go and a chance to see a lot of these things, of course ESPN did their part this year, yeah. and, and we had a lot more coverage than we've had in the past few years, which I love. Uh, I don't like to have to wait three months to see these package stories. They're they're interesting to watch, and I will watch those too. But being right on top of the action uh, as it's happening, there's nothing better than that. Right. Maury Eskandani and his productions are amazing. You can't believe how many hours they actually put in because they make it look easy. And as you said, you know, I like seeing them uh, back to back to back instead of uh, once a week for, for a long series. I think they did a fantastic job. And I'm glad Maury Eskandani got inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame this year. What have you, yeah, I was pleased for that too because he's done such a great job for uh, poker on television. Um, what are you doing with uh, your time? I, I know you're still with the Card Player Cruises. Uh, you know, that probably takes most of your time. But what about uh, playing and getting a chance outside of doing a few things like this, this in particular? Well, um, I play when I can. I do a lot of charity poker events, which I like. You know, at this point in my life, giving back is very important. And uh, I am not just doing card player cruises, but I'm also cruising in between cruises. Uh, in fact, uh, I went to Cuba last week on a cruise. Uh, I had two things on my bucket list, and one was uh, Antarctica, which I'll be doing in February, and uh, the other was Cuba, and I had a great time there. But I probably cruise four months a year, and then um, I host poker events around the country. I don't play much when I'm at home, except during the World Series. I usually take six, seven weeks off, and I stay home, and I play every single day during the World Series. The cash games, not the tournaments. Uh, I still love to play poker. I think I'll always love to po play poker. I think uh, outside of the you know regular players that go out there every summer, they don't realize what a big part of that is out there. Of course, just juicy cash games, and uh, you know some people don't even ever play a tournament, and they still look forward to it so much every year. Yeah, every hometown hero comes to Las Vegas to match their skills against the quote-unquote best in the world, and that's where you will find them at the World Series. Um, a lot of recreational players as well, a lot of people with a dream, and dreams are made there every day. It's pretty cool. Uh, how about your association with this tournament? It's first time here in South Florida. We're pleased to have it here. Um, I know you've been involved with it, I don't know if it's quite from the very beginning, but at least five or six years. And, right. and it's, it, 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 you're, you're playing, you're, you're making final tables from what I've seen, so it's a, big, it's a big week for you. Yeah, I was a little bit leery about the fact that they were moving it uh, to southern, um, to Fort Lauderdale, because it is a known commodity uh, up there in the Daytona Beach area. And it took 10 years basically to establish and get the fields they got. And I thought, well, moving it here might be a problem, but they did a sold-out uh, group today, and people came out to support it. And people traveled. They traveled from northern Florida uh, down here. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy being part of this. I, I was lucky to cash in the first three events, which, um, you know, when I host something uh, that's for a charity, I donate the money to the charity. So I always feel good when I do well because then I get to write a check. Uh, talking about women in poker, you know, obviously one of my favorite subjects to try to encourage uh, women to play the game. And, and, of course, it's been a lifetime of doing that for you. Uh, you just were a keynote speaker at the Women's Poker Summit. Uh, but we can't seem to get quite past that 4% in the main event. Is it, is, it, is it picking up? Are we heading in a new direction? Or is it just going to be a lot more years and a lot more work? Well, you know, unfortunately, we are not growing the field uh, nearly as fast as we should be. 
and there's lots of reasons for it. Um, a lot of women are not comfortable in the environment of poker. Uh, a lot of times uh, they're harassed at the table, and uh, a lot of times just social uh, stigma against poker. A lot of women feel like their money should go to their families and their children, and, and you know, um, instead of to the poker table. And I think maybe uh, women value money a little bit more than than some men. I mean, let's face it, most people who play are not winning players. And so, you know, maybe the money is more important to the women. I, you know, I, I, there's just so many factors. But, you know, I, I, prior to the keynote speech there at the Women's Summit, I Googled, you know, um, the growth of women in different fields. And I was surprised to hear that more than half of the field of astronauts today are women, the graduating class. And, and a, a total of one-third of astronauts today are women. And uh, I was just shocked by that number. I'm like, why can't we get more women to play poker? But I think they have to really start enforcing a code of conduct and make it more fun, make it more pleasant. Yet we still have some standout players uh, coming every year. Oh, Kristen Bicknell uh -huh. broke out this year. Kelly Minken and, yeah, and players Maria like Ho. that. Maria Ho. You can't play any better than she does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm still encouraged by it. Are, women who play are very good players, right. the ones who play at the higher level. Um, because, let's face it, I, I don't like to say it, but it still is a man's world. And for a woman to play at high levels, they, they usually have to be succeeding. And so I think that as a percentage, the women play a little bit better than the men uh, in, in the higher levels. Okay. Thanks for your time. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Okay. I love everything you do for poker. Thank you. That is Linda Johnson, First Lady of Poker. And I uh, appreciate the time she spent with uh, me last night uh, talking about uh, the game and uh, always fun to, to talk with her. You know, she you, has uh, you think some we great ideas. We call her like we used to in the past because yeah. I used to love having no. her and Jan on. Absolutely, they were wonderful to yeah, have on. She was very happy with uh, the interview. She always uh, very gracious with her time, and uh, she's been wonderful on, yeah. on the times we've had her on our show. And, and, and it's been know, a while, so depending on what the, what's happening in the news, you know, always uh, I can give her a you know, send her drop her an email or, or a text and, and do that. Anyway, let's take another break here on the program. When we come back, we'll hear from Jan Fisher, and uh, we will talk about hood flatting, hood f what a hood flat is, which is... That's uh, got to be a relatively kind of new, a new term. Thing, but it's a new term, also known as playing street or, or street poker. So I want to explain that situation and get your thoughts on that. Those are the youngins in this game now coming up with words for, <laughs> for yeah. a certain style of play. Absolutely. So let's take a break here. We'll return shortly. You're listening to Poker Action Line. You can always pick us up on our website at PokerActionLine.com. You can go to SoundCloud and search it there. Or pick us up on the Hold'em Radio Network, uh, Hold'emRadio.com. Or, of course, uh, Stitcher or uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we'd love to have you rate the show. And uh, check us out every week. You can subscribe to it and get it every week. And uh, we're having some fun here, as we usually do, talking poker from South Florida. We'll be back with more of the show after this. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. 
You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. I want to make something of myself. I want to succeed. The National Guard recruiter helped me get where I wanted to go. The Guard is providing me with paid training. In the National Guard, I get money for college plus a steady paycheck. In the Guard, I train near my home. I'm there for my family, my community, and my country. And I'm proud to be a member of the National Guard. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask how you can get the education and job skills you need in the National Guard. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, let's get to our interview with Jan Fisher, always an interesting person with some great thoughts. And uh, I wanted to go ahead and play that. So let's hear from uh, Jan, a Hall of Famer, who uh, also spent a few minutes with me last night. Jan Fisher, again, a part of the uh, Deep Stack Charity, this time in South Florida. Um, I don't know how much you make it down here to South Florida. What are your thoughts, first of all, about the poker scene that you've seen here? I think it's amazing. I who would have ever thought that the land of the blue hairs would have so much fast action <laughs> poker? It's awesome. The thing I really wanted to ask you was, looking at this series, uh, the World Series of Poker, uh, this year, the final table and how it went down on television and everything, it really seemed like kind of the things you push for really were starting to come to fruition. Guys getting along great, not a lot of tanking, uh, stuff that makes the game a lot more fun. And I thought... This was one of the best World Series of Poker final tables we've had in a long time. Oh, I agree. I we I watched the World the final table every single hand of it. Actually, I was out of town at the time, and I had to watch it on my aunt's computer uh, through the internet, and it was fabulous. They and and the head up action was amazing. The two guys got along. They had one little bit of a skirmish right, there, but right. but, well, they, after, but after 17 hours of head up play, you know, right. you get a little bit irritable. But it was gentlemanly. It was friendly. It was run with class. Most of the players, while they didn't dress up, they didn't dress down. I mean, they they were they were respectable about you know for the occasion that they were there. And I was in, I was for once for the first time in several years proud to be a member of this community. Absolutely. Um, a couple years ago, we had Will Kasuf, which was 
kind of like a, a low part. But then the next year, John Hess was the star of the show, oh, yeah. and that was fantastic. And he had a big part this year, too. It, exactly. That when he went broke. Exactly. But uh, Tony Miles really impressed me. Of course, John's a nice kid, uh, you know, a little shy. But... Uh, uh, Tony really came off to me as kind of like the star of the show this year. Yeah, he was a lot of fun, and he actually had won his entry uh, through a friend of ours uh, at Best Bet Jacksonville. Several years in, their director of poker operations there, and he had gotten his entry there through a package. They had had packages. I think they brought 10 players or 20 players to the series. And so it was really nice to feel like I had a personal interest, but I was rooting for someone because I knew the card room where he qualified, so that was cool. What's the next thing on your agenda? Obviously, uh, you spoke at the... Uh the, the Women's Poker Summit this summer, and uh, we always try to encourage more women to play. But uh, do you have something on your agenda here in an election year uh, that really is trying to push forward? Well, in an election year, we probably shouldn't go there because yeah. my yeah. politics might be different than a lot of people's. Uh, actually, the current administrations, to put it bluntly. Uh, next on my agenda is tomorrow I'm leaving on a card player cruises poker adventure. We're, we're going to Cuba. Which is a huge step up for, uh, you know, even though, uh, you know, with Obama gone, maybe things get reversed a little bit. But, you know, it's such an important thing for a lot of younger people here in South Florida to, to reestablish relations. Maybe some of the older folks are not quite the same, but uh, to get along with a country that's so close to us and at one time was so dangerous is, is huge and, and poker kind of bridges that gap somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I never, it, there are a lot of things I'm seeing in my lifetime that I never thought I would see. A marijuana dispensary on every corner and that I can go to Cuba without having to go, you know, through some other country to get there. Right. And it's, we were there last week and we had a wonderful experience, absolutely fantastic bucket list kind of stuff. And uh, we're excited about, we have about 240 on our poker cruise. We're looking very forward to taking them there, and it'll be a first time for, I think, all of them. Okay. Always look forward to reading your stuff and, uh, you know, seeing people that are thoughtful about the game and not just expecting everything to be handed to them as far as, uh, you know, sitting down at the table and, and being able to behave any way they want. You've always been real thoughtful about the game and made it uh, improved for everyone. Well, thank you. I've... Uh, I've been in the poker community for more than 40 years, and I, the one thing I will always have intact is my integrity and my reputation. Absolutely. And uh, people may not like me, but they can't ever <laughs> say that I had, had a bad reputation. Nobody doesn't like you. I know that for sure. Thanks That's for early. taking a minute. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jan Fisher, uh, Joe, <laughs> the reason I uh, uh, wanted to make sure you heard that is uh, you are of Cuban heritage and uh, um, have you thought about taking one of those cruises or heading back down there? How do you feel about that? You're kind of in that mid-range. The older people, well, you know, hated Castro and uh, anything that the U.S. did for, for them. Someone, I'm grateful that I'm grateful that Obama tried to break that up. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the strong minority of the Cubans here in Miami, um, in the sense that I wanted them to have relationships, and this is before Castro because. You know, as I argued with them, listen, when communism fell around the world, you know, you guys couldn't topple your leader. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because I know on my father's side of the family, they they suffered a lot through Castro. Um, and I have first cousins who, if they were in this studio with me, you know, we share grandparents, one set of grandparents. Uh, I wouldn't know who they are because they're about 10 years older than me. I know one of them had a hugely successful um, military career where he went to Russia, actually married a Russian, you know, 
Russian bride, learned how to speak Russian, brought her back to Cuba. Um, but when you hear about all the things that had happened, and you know, you've heard the stories. Yeah, people lost know, their property. I love when people tell you know they 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 talk, and I'm I'm so grateful that I'm, that I'm a first generation American. I was born in New York City. My parents actually met here, both of them of Cuban descent. And Dave, I've always said, I told my dad while he was alive, I said I'm I'm never going to go to Cuba until communism falls. Um. In today's day and age, it's a lot easier to stay in contact with your family because they do have cell phones and there is some internet. And you know, uh, this generation doesn't have to go through. As I told some people that I was given a ride to the other day, I said, you know, just so you understand the the, the animosity that was between them. That back when my mother, before she was able to bring my grandparents and her last sister and my cousins and uncle from over there, to call to speak to your own mother or father or your sister. You have to call the American operator. Then they would call the Cuban operator. And then they tell you, we'll get back to you. Okay? That get back to you would be at about about a week to ten days later, even though there was no reason for it. They had to get somebody to come to the local phone thing. But being that, you know, Cuba with Eastern Coast time, either on the daylight savings, we're either on the same time zone or one hour away. Okay? Right. So it's no big difference. And I don't know about you growing up, Dave, but I remember my parents, Gio, I remember my parents telling me, listen, when the phone rings at 3, 4 in the morning, rarely is it good news, you know? So that's when they would make the phone call to scare the hell out of you, you know, thinking that an emergency (laughs) happened. So people have gone over there. The sad part, Dave, and I understand this, and, you know, if you're not of Cuban descent, you have to go through this. The, the nice hotels that they do now have there that they've used for European tourists and for, you know, tourists from all over the world, the locals are not allowed to go to Right, it. right. And they get treated like garbage. So some of the people that I know that have gone there and have stayed there and they've invited their families, their families start getting, you know, for lack of a better word, they, they start catching a lot of crap from the from the employees there because they know they're not people staying at the hotel. And then you have to tell kind of tell them, hey, listen. Right. They're with me. I invited them in here. And so I still, you know, I'm grateful for the changes. It's time to move on, in my opinion, even though you're never going to get the old, the, the, the generation of Cubans that came in the 60s and 70s to ever, you know, bow to that. But and uh, maybe lost everything they owned. <clears throat> oh, a lot of them did. Yeah. Think about it. I, you don't have children, Dave, but I do. And I can't imagine... As as uh, the the Peter Pan, I'm sure you've heard about that here. Peter Pan. These were people in the early '60s who put their children, without having any family or anybody here in the United States, into the trust of a charity event. That their children were flown to a country that they had no relatives, no friends that knew them. They were put up with other families, and and these were kids that were three, four, five, six years old, and you didn't know when you'd re- reunite with them. And some of them didn't get to re- get reunited with their families right. till two, three years later. Do you think you'll ever go? I hope to, because I'd love to know my parents. I've been to Cuba, but I tell everybody I was about a year old. So yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. the only time I was ever in Cuba. I was born the year that Castro took over. I'd love to go just to say that I saw my parents' homeland, you know, right. and to see the hopefully one day the beauty, the same beauty that they spoke with so much passion of. of, this, of Let, let's take a final break in the show. We'll close things out when we return. Poker Action Line, thanks for being with us tonight, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. 
Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line. The word hood flat was one we had never heard, a poker term. I've never heard that term. Uh, it's also known as uh, playing street or street poker. But I'm not playing with 20-year-olds anymore. <laughs> so. Exactly. Anyway, it's come out uh, very recently, kind of a new trend that uh, of playing uh, hands that are not uh, basically with the correct odds uh, for the equity of the hand, uh, uh, flat calling a raise or re-raising with a hand, or calling with a marginal hand with a rel- relatively shallow stack. So uh, math- mathematically not correct when you consider implied yeah, odds we, and that sort we, of thing. We used a different term back then, Dave. I believe it was called fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's come out because there's been a trend recently to play games where there's some sort of prize at the table if you pl- win a hand with do seven. There was an internet site back in 2004 that wound up losing over $100,000, if I'm not mistaken, because they had a, a thing where if if you uh, not lose, um, if you win with a do seven, and people were playing them so aggressively, and then they were getting paid off, they had to cut that promotion off real quick. I'm trying to remember the, the, the website that had it back then. But I remember when I was working in Costa Rica, off and on, uh, people talking about it, going, "Man, you got to get on here. Anytime you get dealt do seven, just push, and, and you're going to wind up getting a hundred dollars. You know, if you win that hand, and you're just pushing people off hands with the do seven. We we had a similar tale with one of the ladies earlier this year in one of the tournaments. Remember? Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to talk about because uh, she did it again on a televised tournament. Uh, Kelly Minkin, uh, who played a seven deuce, and I want to explain that one. First of all, uh, there was another game on TV, uh, Poker After Dark, a uh, big 1500-3000 mixed game edition, uh, when Gus Hansen uh, was holding deuce five and flopped uh, trips, uh, trip deuces. 
Uh, as it turns out, he was playing uh, Brian Rast, who had pocket kings, and then got a king on the turn. So <laughs> it eventually backfired on him. But the hand I want to talk about was Kelly Minkin's hand, which was on Friday Night Poker. Um, it was a game with seven deuce, uh, where it kind of uh, drives some loose action if you have seven deuce, and uh, everyone else at the table needs to play pay a set amount, like, for instance, $100 was the one at the Poker Night in America. Anyway, it was a 5-10 game. Uh, Kelly Minkin got ace-deuce, and uh, they were playing with Halloween costumes on, and it was kind of crazy game. Justin Young started off the action, raised $70 on the button. He had ace-6 offsuit. Brian Piccioli called with queen-8 suited in the small blind, and Minkin 3-bet the 7-deuce to 310 uh, so Young, who uh, sensed weakness there, 4-bet to 1,200, and Pacioli folded. So with effective stacks around 12,000 here, uh, you would think that an all-in would be a little extreme, but for Minkin, who had won that hand in Poker Night in America, and maybe that right, had something yeah, to do with it, um, she brought in the hood flat. Uh, she called the 4-bet, and Negranu, who was doing the commentary, said, this is so street uh, so, hence, hood flat. Uh, <laughs> Ace, four, king, rainbow was the flop. It was not a good one for Macon. Commentators uh, lost hope in, in her winning the pot, but Young decided to check back because he just had the pocket aces, or he just had the aces, and a seven came on the turn. So now it uh, brings a little hope to Macon. She leads out for 1,600. Uh, the pot was 2,500, and Young clicked back, min-raising to 3,200. Uh, so Minkin stares him down and eventually says, sticky spot, puts in the call. And uh, Negrano says, what's she doing? Does she have a plan to go cuckoo on the river? I, she can't possibly think those sevens are good. Regardless of the plan, a seven of hearts comes on the river. And, of course, they went wild in the booth and... Uh, <laughs> uh, making uh, her need to bluff the river does, was not there because she now has the best hand. She checked it over to the aggressor. Young moved it all in. And uh, so Minkin kind of apologized a little bit. She said, I didn't really expect this to happen. Uh, so she collected the bounties in one hand. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, th that's... That's a genuine feeling. You know, people say, oh, that's, you know, that's BS. You know, you, you, know, you put your money in to win. Flat calling with a four bet with a two seven is crazy in my opinion, and I'm sure <laughs> Daniel and the, the other commentators may mention that. But there are times that you make a bet, and you were never expecting to win the bet, but you get called by an even worse hand. And it's happened to me playing live because I, I I remember one night I was running over the table and I was just, you know, I was playing <laughs> playing very loose. And somebody called me because they wanted to see what I had, and I thought I was beaten. And I really didn't want to show it. I thought he had me beaten. I didn't want to show it, but he wouldn't turn over his hand. So I said, did this guy just call me with nothing in his hand just so he could see what I had? And that's exactly what he did. Wow. And it's almost like, yeah, you'd be like a little kid getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. It's almost like, yeah, I'm going to take that cookie and eat it, but, man, I didn't want you to see how I won this hand. And now you have to obviously, at least for me at that game, I had no longer, no more respect from anybody at that table. Right, they, they, exactly. They, they, were, they were chasing me the rest of the way down every time. Well, Kelly's a very good player. Um, 
kind of earning a reputation uh, with his seven deuce a couple of times, so maybe being a little bit crazy as well. So we'll see how I it plays out. I have a feeling out. going forward, either she's going to set him up with monster hands that she's going to have in the future, and people are going to be thinking she's playing garbage and, you know, put in their, put their chips but she in the But obviously center. she probably wouldn't do it except for the special bounty on the hands. So, you know. Yeah, she's, like you said, she's trying to collect some sort of prize there. But, but for future reference, she's in a, in a tournament like that. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Exactly. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, thanks to all our guests that we had on via tape and uh, uh, taking the time to talk to us. All the people I uh, dealt with, the great people there, Ralph and uh, Al- Alfred and, and, of course, Ken Lambert, uh, who run the show over there. Uh, tremendous job. And uh, thanks also as well to uh, Rabbi Kane and Scott Frank for putting on another great tournament there this year. Uh, that's going to do it. We'll catch you next week. More on the show. Gio, thank you for all your help as usual. And, Joe, we'll see you next week on another edition of the program here. Poker Action Line. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.